0: Everybody needs peace with God. That comes when you get saved. Uh, Before we're saved, God loves us, but we're not at peace with him. But when we accept Jesus Christ, then he gives us peace with God. Now, after we're saved, we can have peace with God, know for sure we're going to heaven, but not have the peace of God. You want to talk about a bad way to live your life is to live it without the peace of God. And uh, there are Christians who are saved, they're just as saved as the Apostle Paul, but they don't have peace. And everybody around them can tell. <laughs> when you're not at peace, you're all tore up, and, and you'll create drama wherever you go. And sometimes, uh, the, the, I think the way to get that peace, the shortcut to peace, is prayer. The Bible says, be careful for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding can keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A great reminder today. We're in Acts chapter 18. Are you there? Let's look if we can, please, at verse number 1. Before you do that, let's just look at our map if we can. I believe we've got that available for us over there. And we'll get the map. We've been studying the second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul on the first missionary journey went out with Barnabas. He and Barnabas went out and 1,400 miles total on foot most of that time and sometimes on a a ship, but um, started out in Antioch and ended up back in Antioch. However, they uh, on the second missionary journey, they went down to Jerusalem and then went back up to Antioch. You'll see that there. They're in Jerusalem. They have a council there in chapter 15. They go up to Antioch. Let's go up there if we can. I guess I need to do that, don't I? To Antioch. And so we've got the opportunity to go there. There, they were going to go. Paul and Barnabas were going to go together, and it was, they, had a, they had a problem. And their problem caused them not to be able to work together. And it's something? In the Bible, God tells us the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> It tells us not just the good things about people. He says, "Now these two guys are good fellows, but they uh, they had a hard time with each other, and they decided to to separate." Well, Paul, uh, Barnabas, and his nephew went down to the little island there. You see on the left-hand side, there, southeast or the southwest part there, from Antioch, and they went there back into that to that place and began to work with the Lord. And then the Apostle Paul went over to Tarsus. That's his hometown, where he grew up. Spent a little time there, but made his way over to. Go back to other places where they had ministered with other people. They talked. They went to Derby and then Lystra. That's where they picked up Timothy. And then they go on to Iconium and then make their way to Pisidian um, Antioch, another part of the of the area. And wanted to go into south uh, west there into Asia, but the Spirit of God says it's not time. No, you can't go. You know, sometimes God, you and I want to do something, and God says it's not. It's no. Sometimes he directly says, no, you can't do it. Sometimes he delays what you want to do. He says, it's just not time now. I'm glad that we have a God of timing, aren't you? I can trust his time. Sometimes he will tell us, uh, tell us uh, indirectly how to do things or answer a different way. But he says, no, you can't go to Asia. Oh, okay, we'll go up north there. That's that green area in the north, Bithynia. And the Lord says, no, I don't want you doing that either. So he makes his way over to a port city called Troas. When he's there, uh, while he's there with Luke, and now uh, we believe Luke met him there, and then Timothy and Silas, he's there, and the Lord gives him a vision of a man over in Europe, which is across that body of water uh, into Europe, and he says to him, I think, uh, I want you to come over and help us. So, so Paul is, he gets a message from a man that's from European man, from Macedonia, he says, why don't you come over and help me? And so when the, Lord, when the Lord shared that with him, Paul, uh, after seeing that, goes to his friends and says, I know why God didn't want us to go to Asia. And I know why he didn't want us to go to Bithynia. Because I just got a word from God that he wants us to go over into Europe. There's a man there saying, come help us. And so that's what they do. They make, uh, they make their way over to Napolis." And then to Philippi. And that's where he uh, leads Lydia and her girlfriends and households of the Lord. And then also uh, the jailer gets saved and other people. That becomes a very, that becomes a very instrumental a church in, the, in the, uh, the ministry of Apostle Paul and Epiphilius. They go there. And then they go over to Apollonia. These are places they pass through until they get to Thessalonica. There we, we see that in chapter 17. There's, and, of course, books of the Bible there. Then they go to Berea. And Berea, they got ran out of Thessalonica by some bad dudes and thugs, um, called lewd men of baser sort. I imagine that's a thug. I don't know for sure. But then they go over to Berea. Then those guys chase him out there. That's when Apostle Paul decided, I'm going to go down here to Athens. And he goes to Athens and the, uh, the, the, in Greece. He goes down there, but he sends his partners, Silas and, Mar- and uh, Timothy, back up to Berea and Thessalonica to disciple the new believers there. And uh, then he goes to Athens, and we studied recently how that he gets on Mars Hill, and he begins to talk to the philosophers there. And uh, there in Aeropachis, they stand up there, and they give him a saying. And he tells them about Jesus Christ. He tells them about the resurrection. He tells them about that God is the creator of mankind. When he gets to the resurrection, though, a lot of people said, that's enough, you're a nut. You're talking about resurrection stuff and that, that Jesus resurrected. And others, though, some mocked, and some of them said, you know what? Can you come back tomorrow? I'd like to hear more about that. And others believed. And they joined him and said, hey, can you come over here and explain to us more about that? Two of those people was a sweet girl named Amaris, and another one was a guy named Dionysus. They were, they were there on, at that talk, and they followed him afterwards and said, hey, can you explain more to me? And we believe those two people, and many others believed and got saved. Well, now the Apostle Paul is in Athens, and he's going to just make his way to Corinth. Corinth is also a port city, and uh, it's a wicked city. Corinth is a place of immorality. They have, a, they have a large religion there, and they have Aphrodite religion, and they have one 1,000 sexual prostitutes that stay at the temple. It's a very pagan, nasty, immoral. be modern-day French quarters, modern New Orleans, modern-day uh, Las Vegas Strip. It's crazy that they call that a family destination. But there's nothing but wickedness, lewdness, nasty. Matter of fact, when someone was really lewd, they would say, oh, you are Corinthianized. You're made like the men of Corinth. It was a wicked city, but there were numbers of Jews that were there, and there was a synagogue there, and Paul now, Silas and Timothy are not with him. They are coming. They're making their way to see him, and he's there several weeks without them, and he goes into the synagogue, and he he begins to talk to them, but it seems to me he's a little bit beat up. Physically, he still probably has the wounds of being beaten and and the fear of being chased out by these thugs. But probably even more so, he's been hurt by the words and the jokes and the mocking of the men in Athens. And he seems to come in there a little bit shy. It's only 50 miles from Athens, but he goes there, and he goes to the synagogue, and he does talk some, but he doesn't reveal the true Christ. He asks some questions, and he gives some answers, but he doesn't really give the whole gospel. And I think because he was nervous. Now, when, when Timothy and Silas come and they join him in Athens, all of a sudden he gets some boldness and he gets pressed in the spirit to give the gospel. And it shows us the benefit of partnership, the benefit of fellowship. Jesus, when he sent out the disciples, he sent them out by twos because he knew they would need some help. He knew they would. somebody's going to be off and someone's going to be on, and they can both work together. And Paul was by himself and probably had the jokes and the mockings of the men in Athens ringing in his ears. And so he thought, well, you know, I don't know. Every time I go, I either start a revival or a riot, and it's usually a riot. So I don't think I'm ready for a riot by myself. But sure enough, Timothy and Silas come down to Athens, and they see him there. When they come, it looks like to me, he gets kind of excited, and he begins to tell. But it does stir up some challenges. Anywhere there's movement, there will be friction. You try to do something for God, and you're going to find there's going to be some challenges in that. Let's look at our passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 18, verse number 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, Lately come from Italy uh, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. It's kind of interesting here. Paul now is in Ath—he from Athens. He goes a fifty miles over to Corinth. And while he's there, he meets another Jewish couple, Aquila and Priscilla. They are born in, he was born in Pontus, but they lived in Italy and in Rome. But Claudius, the world leader in that time, had exiled all and pushed all the Jews out of Rome. Anti-Semitism has always been. Genesis chapter 12 says we're supposed to bless the Jewish people. The Jewish people gave us our Bible, our scriptures, and it was through the Jewish people that God gave us our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's no wonder why there's not another hated people in the world more so than the Jews. The Jews are hated oftentimes. Now, quite frankly, they have not accepted Jesus as their Messiah generally. We have Jewish converts in this room this morning. People who have come to know Christ, they have Jewish lineage and they've gotten saved. We rejoice with that. But as a whole, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that Jesus came into his own to his Jewish people, but his own received him not. They didn't accept him as the Messiah. And that's generally true today. I believe God's going to do a great work among the Jewish people, especially during the tribulation period after he comes back for his church. And you can see the tribulation period in the book of Revelation rests heavily, not on the church because the church is not there. It's going to be on the nation of Israel where he is calling people. And don't ever get caught up in anti-Semitism. <laughs> Listen, they're not a perfect people. Sometimes you can say, well, this and this and that, but let me tell you something, don't get caught up in that foolishness. God loves the Jewish people. And you can see it, read Romans chapter 9, 10 and 11, you'll see the great heart that God has for his people, drawing them back to the Lord. And boy, I think if you pick, an, you pick uh, to make the Jewish people uh, an enemy of yours, you, your arms are too short to box with God. <laughs> we ought to pray for Israel. We ought to pray for the church Uh, excuse me, for Israeli, and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But he said these guys had been, there just because they're Jews and they were doing work in Rome, Claudius made them leave. So they left Rome and went to Greece and ended up in Corinth. And they were there working, and the Bible tells us they were tent makers. Look, if you would please, verse number 3, if you would please. And because he was of the same craft, that was the skill that... um, That uh, Paul had. He abode with them and they wrought or they worked together for by their occupation they were tent makers. I think it's just interesting here you see and I don't know for sure whether Aquila and Priscilla were saved prior to meeting the Apostle Paul. The Bible is not clear on that. I would think they were not. I would think that probably they were uh, they were led to Christ by the Apostle Paul. They would later in this chapter help another very gifted and elegant preacher named Apollos know more about the work of God and about the truth of the resurrection later on. You could read that in the rest of chapter 18. But they were both tent makers and Paul worked together with them. And you see that teamwork makes the dream work. You see that people you lead to Christ can oftentimes help you in the work that God's called you to do. And they got together and they worked because they were of the same trade. By the way, I think it's very important that you and I learn to work with our hands. We learn to use the skills that God's given us for the work of the Lord. Whatever God's made you good at, use that. Oh, all of us ought to be witnesses. We all ought to be giving out gospel tracts. We ought to be talking to folks about the Lord and witnessing the way. Some of us have the chance to do that in full-time com, uh, Christian service capacity, and I'm honored to do that. But the truth of the matter is everybody will use whatever's in your hand. I think it's interesting. Whenever God called Moses, he said, what's in your hand? What do you got? I got a rod. It's a staff. It's been working with sheep, because I'll take that. Whatever God's put you in your path, you ought to say, God, if you've made me good at this, I want to use it. The Bible says a man's gift maketh room for him and brings him before great men in the book of Proverbs chapter 18. Learning to use the strengths that you have, and the apostle Paul did. He was a tent maker, so he found two other guys' tent makers, a, a husband and wife team, and they became fast friends. They became, I believe, some of the founding members of the church at Rome. They would go back to Rome, and if you can look in the book of Romans, you'll see he, he says greet Aquila and Priscilla. So they got saved in Corinth, most likely, and then went up to Rome and became founding members of the First Baptist Church of Rome. I don't know if that's the that real name or not, but I just like the word First Baptist, don't you? That's right. So let's look at the next verse if we can, verse number 4. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So he went there on the Sabbath days, and he talked to them and, and convinced some of the Jews and the Greeks about Christ. But notice verse number 5, and what's the next word? When. When Silas and Timothy were come up from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit. And he testified to the Jews that Christ, wa- Jesus was Christ, you know, whenever whenever Timothy and Silas came. He had been there several weeks and he had reasoned, he had thrown out some questions, he was stimulating thoughts, he he definitely probably made himself an authority. The people thought, Man, this guy really knows a lot. But it wasn't until his friends showed up in town that he had the courage and the encouragement to really give them the gospel. That Jesus was Christ. And by the way, if you're here today and you're not sure that you have Jesus, you need him. You don't want to leave this life without Jesus. He's the way, he's the truth, He's the life. Don't accept any pseudo-counterfeits. You don't get saved by being baptized. You don't get saved by being in this church or any other church. You don't get saved because you had a, a near-death experience that you got from, you got pulled away from. No, you get saved because sometime in your life you accept the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. You understand that Jesus is the only way to heaven and there's no other way. When you leave this world, you're going to leave this world one of two ways with your sin or with God's Son. There are no two other options. If you go into eternity with your sin, you're going to have a fair trial with a God who knows everything about you. He'll need no prosecuting attorney. He'll need no evidence. The evidence is all there that you and I are sinners. Or you can go into eternity with God's son and have a free pardon. And you can have his righteousness. If you go into eternity with your righteousness, you're in trouble and I would be true. But if you go into eternity with God's righteousness and the righteousness of Jesus, then you have no condemnation. You have, you look, God looks at you just like he looks at his son, Jesus. That's where you want to be. And if you have accepted Jesus Christ, then live like it. Love the one who did so much for you. Never get over the joy of being saved. Keep visiting that day in which you accepted the gift of eternal life. Got several friends and I was there when they got saved and they're sitting in this room and there's nothing that thrills me more than see people get saved. Keep living for the Lord. Never forget the joy of being saved. And now what else can I do for the Lord? I led a man to Christ yesterday. He said, now what am I supposed to do next? (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? Because I could tell something just happened inside of me. What's my next step? And I believe God wants all of us to keep taking the next step. Don't plateau in your Christian life. Good night in the morning. God loves us too much. Eternity is too close to our doorstep to just meander through the Christian life just to do whatever for the rest of your life and say, I've been there, done that, bought T-shirts, now I'm just going to coast and watch the world go by. No, we ought to always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know your labor is not in vain, don't miss a service. Be faithful to the Lord. Look for opportunities to give, to go, to serve, to pray, to witness. The Apostle Paul, though, it was his friend to help. you. Say, Pastor, why in the world does God want us to go to church? part of it is so that his people get together and they encourage other people to do more the bible says in hebrews chapter 10 verse number 24 let's provoke one another challenge each other to love god and others more and do more for god and others well i'm always challenged by our church family and i heard this over and over again by our missionaries this last week i mean brother sis brother thompson brother bordell and then each missionary say pastor the spirit of your people of First Baptist Church are just unbelievable. But how do you get that many great Christians in the same room? This is, People would love to have just a few. But boy, the truth of the matter is we ought to stay faithful to the Lord. Don't get casual. You know, casual Christians become casualties. Stay fervent, working, serving, doing something for the Lord. In just a few days, you're going to be glad you did or you wish you would have. But I I love it because it was when Timothy and Silas came that Paul was encouraged. It encouraged them. You know, God did not call us, you're the pack of God. You're the herd of God. He says, you're the flock of God. You know, a flock is flock of sheep. And sheep do good only when they're together. And when they have someone that loves them, and that someone who loves you is is your Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head of any church that does what God wants it to do. We're under shepherds. Brother Eddie and myself and Brother Jesse and these dear men, we're just just under shepherds. The real shepherd is him. We want a church where Christ is obviously present and actively in charge. We ought to be sensitive. What does God want? Be together. Why? Because when you come together, you encourage each other. I'm encouraged by you. You're encouraged by uh, those around you. And you're here to encourage. Don't come here looking, I hope they bless me today because I hope it's a good one because I'm tired. (laughs) No, don't come trying to get blessed. Come to be a blessing. Don't come in just late. Come in early so you can find someone you can bless. Bring a smile. Bring a note. Bring a good word. Just saw a sweet family over to my left after church on Sunday mornings whenever we had a family that used to clean up the auditorium after church. Now their whole family... Mom and dad and three or four kids get together and clean up after service. I think that is a great testimony. To get involved in doing something for the Lord. They do that about a month. They'll never put something on the ground. and they'll never, they'll never stick a bubble gum anywhere. and They'll make sure they clean that up. Love the, love the things of God. I think it's a wonderful thing. Get involved together. And your involvement will encourage other people. Your giving will encourage other people to give. Your love, your witness will encourage other people to do that. Yesterday, I was at a hospital, and I gave a, I gave a couple of of gospel. I said, here's a gospel that tells you about how you can have eternal life, you know. And I came out, and I had a friend that was visiting with me. They wouldn't let him go up into the hospital room, but he said, Pastor, I gave out all my gospel tracts. I said, well, that, way to go. Good job. Because I just followed what you did. I saw you do it. I thought I could do it too. We can encourage each other. And when Paul saw, si- saw Silas and saw Timothy walk in, he said, well, when I go to church Sunday, I'm going to tell him. Jesus is the Christ. Oh, well, in 2022, many years after this event took place, uh, and we'll talk more about this event tonight, we can continue this chapter, uh, we still need each other. Just like Paul needed Silas and Timothy, I need you. You need me. We need each other. And let's encourage each other to love God and others more and do more for God and others.